Make sure all seats are in the upright position and trays are put away before we take off. KR Media proudly presents Kingdom Rock Radio with your Bible teachers, Pastor Mark A. Stroud. I'm looking to what the Lord Jesus has in his hand for me. And Pastor Suniko Stroud. With God on their side, they were stronger than anybody. Get the latest downloads from our website. You can download today's message as an MP4, MP3, or simply download the Kingdom Rock app to your mobile devices from the iTunes Store or Android Market. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center in Bremen, Georgia. And remember, Jesus is Lord. Today's message is entitled, Sell Out. Are you sold out for Jesus Christ? Do you know what it really means to be a true Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more today on Kingdom Rock Radio. By the way, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's where you can catch all the latest videos from Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center. We know that you will be marvelously blessed. Just go to the web at youtube.com forward slash Kingdom Rock, and we know that you'll be blessed. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, Sell Out, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Okay, I will give you the word of God as it relates to you, as it relates to your life. And I will seek the word of God. I will seek the Lord Jesus for you. But your growth and development is really up to you because you have to be one that will eat the word Amen. and meditate on the word. It's more, to, it's more to this life than just coming to church. You understand that? We've got to eat that word and take it in us. If someone goes to the doctor and the doctor, I mean, you go to the doctor and you pay them all that money, copay and all that money, you buy all those drugs, and you go and you say, well, I'm not going to follow anything you said. Exactly. Why in the world did we go? Well, it made me feel better to go. <laughs> okay. But meanwhile, your leg is still falling off. Walking around looking zombified. Are you hearing? All right. So I want to make that very clear. We got that on record. I'll put it on YouTube if I have to. I'm not here to be a prison guard. I'm a pastor. Okay. Which means the Lord will give me words to give you. And you'll have to take that prescription home and take it. Okay. If you do it, you will see the blessings of it. If you do not do it, I pray your leg will not fall off quickly. I don't know what to say about that. Let's go to the book of Luke. Luke, Luke the 14th chapter. Every time I hear that name, Luke, it just, I am your father. It just comes out over. Right, I'm done with it. All right. Luke 14. Luke 14. And uh, I'm just going to read just a few verses here. Luke 14, starting at verse 26. We looked at this on last time. And tonight we will really speak from the subject of sellout. Sellout. You've heard people say, you're a sellout. Well, I'm a sellout for Jesus. Let me tell you now. I'm sold out for him. And you'll see tonight, that's exactly what he has called us to do. He's called us to sell out for him. 
Okay, there's a thing, and oh Lord, we'll, we'll get to it. Praise the Lord. Luke 14, uh, verse 26. The Lord says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now we know he doesn't, he's not saying be Friday 13th, Jason, on your mother, brother. No, this is called... Um, Really, really hate means here to love less. That means you love him more than anybody else. If you're not willing to love Jesus more than all these others, you cannot be his disciple. Okay? You have to love the Lord more. He has to be in first place. He, not our children. Thank God for our wonderful children. Not our wives or husbands. Thank God for them. Not our parents. Thank God for them. Jesus has to be first. And here again, as I've told you before, I have found that as I keep Jesus first, I'm a, better, I'm a better husband. As I keep Jesus first, I'm a better father. And even as I keep Jesus first, when I make mistakes, uh, let's turn these on up here, please. When I make mistakes, even with my children, the Lord quickly corrects me. I know your parents don't know anything about that. You don't know anything about that, do we? I don't know. Even when I am, uh, as, a, as a husband, when I make mistakes, the Lord, deals, he, he deals with me. Why? Because he's first. I've given him, that, given him that preeminence in my life. So he is first. Because he's first, he straightens me out. Hallelujah. Let's, but let's look further. Verse 27. And, and, um, and whoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I want you to see that. Cannot be my disciple. Verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower said of not down first and count of the cost whether he uh, has sufficient to finish it. Least happily after he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it all that behold it begin to mock him. That, that is they begin to laugh at him saying this man began to build but rather began to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war against another king instead of not down first and counseleth whether uh, he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000 or else while the other is yet a great way off he sendeth an ambassador rather than ambassador right uh, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be, he or she be of you that forsaketh not all uh, that he hath or that she has, he or she cannot be my disciple. Unless you're willing to forsake all, you cannot be his disciple. Now, I, those words are written in red in my Bible. So those are very stirring words. Again, he said, unless you're willing or unless you forsake all, not just be willing, but unless you forsake all, you cannot be his disciple. Now, those are very sobering words. Now, let me show you something here. Let's go to, um, let's go to the book of Second Timothy. This will help bring it home to you even further. Now, we're talking about really true discipleship. True discipleship. True Christianity. Not this 
Toys R Us Christianity that's going around, going on now. Nothing against Toys R Us, you understand. Not this play play thing that's going on. Seems like everybody and their brother claims to be a Christian, but there is no fruit of their Christianity. They're not sold out to Christ. A true Christian in the biblical sense means that they are followers of Jesus Christ. Means that we are, or the person would be born again or born of God and the spirit of God lives on the inside of them. Now the worldly view of Christianity means um, that this is a religion. And people can choose religions like they choose their clothes in the morning. You can choose to put it on or, or take it off. But a true Christian, a true follower of Christ, a true disciple of Christ won't be able to put it on, rather just put it on and take it off at will. You become a witness for him. His spirit lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You were bought with the price. You are not your own. These words must be settling and they got to be sober on the inside of your heart. Here again, the worldly definition for Christianity is a religion. And you can come, you can take it, or you can leave it. And for most people in religion, they can put one foot in and they can keep one foot out. They can put one foot in and then they, sometimes they shake it all about. Right? They do their little dance and they shake themselves around. That's what it's all about for them. Left foot, no. But you understand what we're saying, right? It's not a choice. When we become Christians, that is when we give our lives to Jesus, there is a change that comes on the inside of us. When we are truly converted, God moves in and he changes our lives from the inside out. Okay? Now look at this, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Let me read verses 3 through 7. And I love the way this reads out of the New Living Translation. So listen to this. Paul telling uh, Timothy here about the last days. He says this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to, to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, verse 5, they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They will act religious, or King James said they will have a form of godliness, but no real power. Understand that, let, that, let those words sit on your heart, because here we are in the last days, and there are a lot of people that can act religious, but have no real power to make them godly okay christ in you is the hope of glory christ in you makes you godly the lord will deal with you the lord says in his word in the book of isaiah come now let us reason together 
Let's talk about the stuff that you're involved in. God will actually deal with you. He will actually uh, help you clean up your life, help you get things together. The Holy Spirit of God with on the, on the inside of you to a person that is truly born of God. A person that is truly born of God, even the Bible declares that uh, they, cannot, uh, they cannot commit sin or he committeth not sin. That The word commit there means to continually do it over and over and over and over and over. You can't do it. Why? Because the Spirit of God is dealing with you from the inside. And as you yield to him, he helps you to overcome the thing that has been overcoming you. You understand? Now, there is a process to that cleaning. There's a process to cleaning. Let's say uh, your life is like a chair and your chair is standing on four legs. If you have gone through a, this, a certain issue for the last 50 years of your life, 55 years of your life, and you've dealt with these things and that sin in your life has been comforting to you. And, you know, sin can have a certain form of comfort to it. It can have a certain form of pleasure to it. So if when a troubled time hit or a hard time hit, we dealt with, we dealt with the hard time or we, or we dealt with the pain of life by going to this. By going to this. Let's say you had four, the person had four, four major things, no matter what, what those things were. You pick whatever it is. And so the person now becomes born again. Well, they come into church and they give their lives to Jesus. What most in the church will say, all right, brother, here's what you got to do. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. You got to stop this or stop that, stop that. Then you'll be like me, good and holy. You'll be good and God will actually like you. Okay. Now, how do you know that that is incorrect? What takes people to hell? I guess we got to go this way just for a moment. What takes people to hell? Is it, is it uh, rape? Is it uh, murder? Is it lying? Is it cheating? Is it stealing? Is it homosexuality? Is it lesbianism? What actually, what sin actually takes them to hell? Is it mocking God? Is it using God's name in a curse word? What actually takes people to hell? What would actually get them in hell? What sin? What is it? Well, pastor, I know it's this and that and the other. What is it? The sin that would take people to hell is when they reject Jesus Christ. All other sins, once the person receives Jesus, his blood covers it and washes that stuff away. And the Holy Spirit then is on the inside of that person, helping them to overcome the things that have been overcoming them. You understand? So, the Holy Spirit then, as the person is born again, then, you know, he comes on the inside. The Lord Jesus said that when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead us into all truth. He will lead you into all truth, and he will show you things to come. Yes. One of the truths that he's leading you about is not just about scripture, but it's the truth about you and the truth about what's been going on in your life. It's the truth about why we use these different things uh, to bring us pleasure or why these different things have brought us some form of comfort over the years. Now, we say they have brought us comfort, but every bit of comfort that comes from the devil always comes with a price. Amen, amen, amen. There's always a huge price tag with it. 
Let's take drinking. Someone says, well, it's Friday and I've had a rough weekend and I'm going out and I'm going drinking. I really had a hard time. I just need something to drink. And they're not talking about Kool-Aid either. I just need something to drink. I just need something to dull this pain. I'm really in a lot of agony. Okay, well, then that has been a source of comfort for them for years. And so now they come into church and we tell them, you got to stop drinking. You got to stop this and you got to stop that. Well, this person says, okay, they say within themselves, okay, well, I see that that's wrong, so I'll do my best to stop it. But unless the power of the Spirit of God is there, they may stop it for a moment with their human will. But unless God is there to deliver them from that thing, they'll go right back to it. Why? Because the enemy will make sure that enough pressure comes your way to force you back into that situation. God has to take that leg out and replace it with the comfort of his spirit. Hear me. All sin, really, Lord, I guess we're going this way. All sin meets a legitimate need. We talked about that before. All sin meets a legitimate need. We pick it up because there's something legitimately in us that we want, whether it's peace, uh, whether peace is good, wanting peace is good. Whether it's pleasure, wanting pleasure is good. There's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with that. They meet a need. Whether someone says, I don't know why I got to have five women. I don't know why I got to have five women. But maybe this man has a need for intimacy. There's a legitimate need that's somewhere down in there. Nothing wrong with the need. But the enemy says, let me meet your need my way. Let me sell you this. He'll give you his credit card. Hey, meet your need with my card. And what's happened, we go out there and we do that. We call this person. We get by ourselves. We, some will go off into some foreign place, way up three or four states away, another county away, and do a certain thing and think that nobody notices. But you're using God's, you're rather using the devil's credit card and you swipe it. It'll feel good for the minute, but there's a whole lot of interest that's coming your way. We understand? This is why we have to ask God for deliverance. This is why we have to ask the Spirit of God to help us and to, li- and to deliver us um, with his Spirit. The Lord even says that now you are clean through the words that I have spoken unto you. It's the Word of God that gets in and really begins to clean us up, really begin to clean us out. Okay, but here again, we'll continue to lean on these legs until the Holy Spirit shows you that he can comfort you in that area. You understand? Well, praise the Lord. And so the Lord says here that in the last days, there will be those that will act religious. They'll have a form of godliness, but no real power. Why won't they have real power? Why, why, why isn't there power in their lives to change them? Because they've never received the Savior. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we can come to church, we can sit in a religious setting and never know Jesus. Remember the Lord said that in the last days men will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied in your name? Have we uh, done many great works in your name? Those are the people that had a form. But then the Lord says, depart from me, uh, you work of iniquity. I don't know you. I never knew you. These were people that were able to sit around the things of God, but they never got the Lord on the inside. They never became disciples. 
And this is a point that we want to bring out this evening for the brief time that we have left tonight. And this is the point we want to bring out. We need to make sure that we are disciples. Disciples of Christ. Now, there are some good indicators of what disciples are. And I want to show you this. Let's go to the book of Matthew now. Matthew 13. Remember, we already read there from the book of Luke. The Lord said, unless you're willing or unless you forsake all or love him more, you cannot be his disciple. He must have first place in your life. When you find him, you'll be willing to forsake all for him. Now, when we say forsake all for him, I'm not telling husbands to leave your family and go off in some woods somewhere. And, and take a gallon of uh, holy oil, olive oil, and just bathe yourself every night till Jesus comes. No, that becomes disgraceful. Don't you know one of the best witnesses that a husband could have uh, for the Lord and, and to the world is when he takes care of, of his family. One of the best witnesses that a mother could have toward the Lord is when she takes care of her husband, takes care of her children. One of the best witnesses that a child could have is when they obey their parents. That's a witness unto the Lord. That's a witness unto the Lord. Not toting a Bible around, talking about he's coming in a hundred, he's coming to Chevrolet, hola, 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 hola. And all these other things, talking to speaking in tongues. Do you obey your parents? Hallelujah. Do you take care of your family? Do you pray? You understand these are good witnesses that Christ is alive and well in your life. Hallelujah. We thank God for the fish sign on the card. There's nothing wrong with the fish sign on the card. But I would heap rather us do follow the word of God and the will of God than to have uh, these different symbols. Okay. All right. Here again, Matthew 13. Are y'all getting anything out of this tonight? Let's just go straight. Matthew 13 is wonderful. There's so many things here. Not going to be able to see it all. But let's look at verse number 44. Matthew 13, 44. And it says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid uh, in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy, therefore, goeth and sell all that he hath and buy that field. It's what the kingdom of heaven is like. What are we talking about, pastor, kingdom of heaven? What does that have to do with Jesus? Well, who is the king? It's Jesus. The word kingdom talks about rule or talks about the reign, the reign of the king, the rule of the king, the dominion of the king. Heaven is simply the place. Okay, or the place where the king rules. Okay, so Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay, the father has set him up to be the king. So when you talk about the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to talk about the king. Okay, so as we speak about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about Christ. We're talking about his rule and his order, his authority that has been established. So it says the kingdom of heaven, when someone finds the kingdom of heaven... It says here, uh, it's just like a man who goes into a field and he finds buried treasure. Or in this case, we can say it's almost like he finds gold in the land. There's gold in them there hills. Okay. Well, like my other friend, uh, 
uh, that uh, he was out shooting at some pool or something, and up through the ground came a bubbling pool. I think it was oil that was black gold, Texas tea. You know, well, the first thing you know, well, he was a millionaire. His kinfolk said, you got to move away from there. And we'll stop it right there. So he was out there and he found something on the land. Look at, look at the scripture. He said, the Lord Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Like a man who goes into a field and he finds some treasure. Oh, for joy. He takes it up and he's so joyed about it and he decides to hide it. I mean, this is something good. And the Bible talks about hiding the word of God in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. Hide, David said, thy word have I uh, hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee in Psalm 119. So this man takes up that and he hides it and then he goes and he sells everything that he has. Let's say he has a car, house, everything, clothes, everything. He sells everything. He fully invests and he goes and buys this property because he knows that there's more to it than what he just hid. Full investment. Here again, how can we be disciples of Christ? Make a full investment. This man has forsaken everything now for this land. He believes in it that much. Let's look at the next case here. In verse number 45, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man uh, seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here's a merchant. In other words, he's going out trying to find pearls. That's his, that's his business. He's a, possibly a pearl dealer, right? What do pearls symbolize in the word of God? Pearls symbolize wisdom, right? The Lord Jesus says, cast not your pearls before swine, right? Pearls always symbolize wisdom or truth or some type of proverb. So he says here, this man that is going on, he is a merchant. In other words, he is one seeking for truth. He's seeking for wisdom. He is seeking for that. And when he finds one bit of truth that outweighs all the other that he may have in his little bag, when he finds the truth or the perfect pearl, the perfect truth, he sells everything that he has. He forsakes everything to buy this one truth. Okay? This is how the kingdom of heaven is. Are y'all understanding what we're saying here? Now, it goes further, and we could go over all and all and all and all. Let's go over one more before we leave. Let's go to St. Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And we're really going to get into a whole lot more as we talk about being true disciples of Jesus Christ. It is the disciple that will carry the glory of God. It is the disciple that will carry the power of God, the presence of God. It is the disciple. When the disciple tells the devil, you have to go, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus they will see results. It is the disciple that will be enraptured in the Lord's presence. It is the disciple, the disciple of Christ. You understand? 
And even the Lord said, if you continue in my word, you are my what? Disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And the truth will do what? That truth will set you free. It will make you free, right? There is a price in discipleship. There is a price in discipleship. It's more than just coming to church or reading your Bible every once in a while. We have to sell out to the Lord. Give it all to him. Come to him squarely. Lord, I have this in my life. I have that in my life. I want to be your disciple. Change me, make me, mold me into who you've called me to be. I am yours. I agree with you. That's when we sell out to him. Sell out to him. That's all I'm trying to tell you tonight. We've got to sell out. Sell out to Christ. We can't do the hokey pokey and Jesus is going to receive us. Putting your big toe in, taking your big toe out, putting your big toe in, and then shaking it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn. Yes, I am your pastor. All right, here again. Let's look at this last case, Matthew 19. Matthew 19, of course, you know this. I'm not going to read this. But you know this as the, as the case of the, or the account of the young rich ruler. Okay? This young man, well, let's go ahead and read a little bit. It says in verse 16, And behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may uh, have eternal life? Do you see that? He asked the Lord, what good what? What good what? What good thing? See, this is very important. He's looking for one thing that he can do to inherit eternal life. What good thing? What good one thing can I do to inherit eternal life? And verse 17, and he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. All right, now he's looking for one thing. Okay, in other words, he's looking to perform something, something to do. What can I do, right? Remember, the law is performance-based. The law, there are commandments, and as long as you do all of that, well, then you'll be acceptable. But no one could do all of that except for one man, and his name is Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Remember, the law says, do, do, do. But grace says, done, done, done. Jesus said, I already did it. And now we enter into rest through Christ Jesus, okay? So this man comes to Jesus and he asks him, what good thing, singular, shall I do? So already he's talking to Jesus, give me law. What can I do? I want to perform something. I want to earn my righteousness in the sight of God. Okay, that's what what he's saying. Let's go on. Uh, The Lord, let's go on to verse um, 18. The Lord said, um, thou shalt not murder. Uh, Thou shalt not, so Lord gives him law, right? He asked for law, Lord gives him law. He says, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man... Uh, saith unto him, all these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I? I've done these things. I've been morally good, but I still know that there's something missing in my life. 
Okay? And he goes on to say here in verse 21, Jesus saying unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete. Now the man's answer, the man's question, original question is, what can I do to enter into eternal life? That is, what can I do to be acceptable in the sight of God? What can I do to enter into heaven and stay in heaven? Okay, what can I do? The Lord says, all right, if you will be perfect, if you will be complete, if you want to have this, this is what you need to do. He tells him, go and sell that that thou hast. Okay, well, it's not so bad. He's a young, rich man. I'm sure he sold some things before. No big deal. Go and sell what you have. Okay, I can do that. But the Lord goes on. He said, go and sell that that thou hast and give, uh-oh, give it to the poor. Give it to someone. Now, the poor, like those that were sitting on the side of the road, those that needed help, those that had no, uh, there was no possibility of him getting return from that investment. Sell all you have and give it to the one who cannot give it back to you. Sell it and give. Give, give, give. All right? So this is a great big challenge uh, to this rich man here. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and the Lord said you will have treasure in heaven. That is, there will be a value shift. I'm almost done here. The Lord wants us to have a value shift. He has been practicing having treasure in the earth. But the Lord said there needs to be a shifting. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to have eternal life, if you're going to be acceptable to God, then there must be a value shift. The things that you call valuable, where you place your treasure has to change. Remember the Lord said where your treasure is, hey, well, there's your heart also. So he said, if you do this, sell all you have, give it to the poor. You're going to have treasure in heaven. Begin to value those things that are in heaven. Okay, there's a value shift that has to take place. And then he says, and come and follow me. Now the word come here, this, this is a royal summons. Come. Come. I mean, when my children were, were, were smaller, I could say Come. And they would actually come. Come. And they would. They would come. Now I have to do some other things to get them to come, but that's another thing altogether. So here's a royal summons. Come. This is power. Remember that four-letter word is what the Lord told Peter. When he said uh, for him, it's how this, this is the word that Peter used to step out on the water. Remember Peter said, if this Lord, if this is you, bid me come. The Lord said, come. Here's a royal decree, a royal summons with supernatural power coming out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Do that and come. Come. And then what? Follow me. Imitate me. Well, what happens to the man we know? He drops his head and goes away sorrowful because they had great possessions. What was Jesus saying do? Forsake all for me. Forsake all for me. Find a treasure in me. Sell it all and come to me. Now the Lord is not saying today, I mean rarely is the Lord telling you to empty all your bank accounts and give it to the church and he will, he's going to do this and that and the other. 
If that happens where you have a whole lot of houses and lands and God tells you to sell it all and give it to the church, first, I want to talk to you before you come to the offering plate. Okay, let's let's sit down. Let's have a little talk first. Okay, because when that was done, even in the book of Acts, I believe the uh, the second chapter, the Bible, the Bible says that there was great that, that with great power gave the apostles witness and great grace was upon the church. So before we would even consider receiving that, I would have to see great power and great grace, a great demonstration of the spirit of God. Hallelujah. And great grace upon the congregation. Hallelujah. So if you feel in your heart that you need to sell everything you have and give it all to the church, you may want to do it in secret. Because if I find out about it, we're going to have to talk first of all. Because there may be something, you may need a few more fries to go with that, that happy meal. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? All right. Now, there can be a special sac times of sacrifice. Praise God. God would tell you to do things in times of sacrifice. Okay. In times of sacrifice, you obey the Lord. Do what he tells you to do. Hallelujah. Okay. But in terms of making you and your family homeless, we need to talk. Okay. Because that really doesn't help. The Bible says that those that had houses and lands... That is, they sold their excess. They sold their surplus. They still had somewhere to live. And they gave the reward, the, the profit, they gave it to the church. Amen. Well, I pray you've heard the word of God tonight. We're done in Jesus, my name. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.